0: Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having a conversation with me today. I was so excited to connect with you. You're welcome. My sister, Chris, speaks so highly of you. Oh, I love her.
1: Good. How did you two get connected? She saw someone talking about me on an uh, Instagram story reached
0: oh. out. Oh nice. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Like super random.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Instagram has been great for connecting people in that way. A lot of people have their own opinions of social media, but I'm like, oh man, it's been such a great way to uh expand your network in the types of ideas and like especially in this healing space with all the different modalities and the people I've connected with through that. Oh good. Yeah. Good. So I would like to start by you in the work that you do, you help people with their levels of stress and really help to grow, move beyond that. And I want to know, how was that the way that it came to you to show up and serve humans in this way of helping people, you know, manage their stress?
1: So that wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. <laughs> I fully thought I would be uh helping people quit smoke cigarettes or like changing um, vices. And the feedback I kept consistently getting was I'm not stressed at work anymore. Or like, Oh my gosh, my mom didn't drive me crazy and I could be in a room with her for three days and I was fine and I didn't freak out. And I was like, mm, okay. What do I do with that? <laughs> like, and that's great. But how do I, how do I create a business around that? And I had been teaching yoga and meditation, which meditation, of course, is all about lowering stress. And with yoga, I think I'd been teaching for like almost 15 years at that point, maybe less than that, but a long time. And I was burning out. Like I was annoyed at the class before I walked in. Mm. I was so sick of hearing myself say down dog. I felt like I was giving everybody the same cues for like four years in a row, the same people externally rotate get your knee in this plate. Right. And I was like, I'm not doing anything here. Like people are excited to come to class, but nothing's changing. And with meditation, it felt like people would feel really good for like 30 minutes or a couple hours after meditation. And then everything went back to normal. Mm. And then once I was doing the energy work and people were like, Oh, I don't freak out on Sundays about going back and being a partner at a law firm or, I'm an interior designer and like, I'm not freaking out about my corporate clients who are total jerks. I was like, okay, well that's more impact. That was the goal. So maybe I should stop trying to find what I'm going to do and pay attention to what it's actually doing. And Mm -hmm. that was how I kind of just started figuring out how to, how to help. Right. So it really became more about working with busy, crazed, busy professionals Mm -hmm. who couldn't quit their jobs because they had mortgages and responsibilities and things that they were doing that like, that wasn't the option. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my clients would come to me and say, I hate my job. Like Mm -hmm. I, I hate Sundays because I'm so dreading the week ahead and I'm not going to quit. So if your suggestion as a healer or whatever you're calling yourself is to quit, I got to go. And I was like, no, I've been there. I understand that because when I wanted to start teaching yoga, I remember it was like a $4,000 course or something. And my teacher was like, you should do this. And it was always during the week, like during the work week, the classes. And I was like, who can do this? Like I work a nine to five for like nothing a year. I barely, you know, I'm basically there to get my health insurance covered
0: and what, was, what realm were you in when, when you were had a nine to five?
1: I did everything from, I started as a mortgage loan officer. I was a theater major at USC. Oh, I didn't no. want to stay in LA. And I became a mortgage loan officer. That was fine. I, I like did well, but I was like, what am I doing here? My boss eventually <laughs> said to me, you're so miserable. You have to go. Like <laughs> you will make money doing this, but you're miserable. And I can't stand it. And he was right. And then, then I was a project manager for a custom home builder. So I was working from like 7am to 7 or 8pm, barely paying my bills and getting yelled at all day. Mm -hmm. And then I took a job as an executive assistant for these unbelievably nice guys who hired me and said, you're going to be really bored. Like, this is probably not for you. But if you want to do this for a couple years, we would love to have you. And it was during that, that, that my yoga teacher was like, you should teach. And I was like, first of all, I I don't want to put this on my credit card. Second of all, how am I going to do this on like a Wednesday at one o'clock? Right. And I'm not going to quit my job to do this. So how is that going to work? And by the way, I can't do a handstand in the center of the room. So like, I'm not qualified to be a yoga teacher. (laughs) Cause I thought for sure, you have to be able to do all the tricks and arm balances and all that stuff. And I couldn't do them. Yeah. So then I ended up Well, I understood it, right? Like now when my clients come to me and they're like, I have a massive mortgage to pay and golden handcuffs at this, at this law firm, like Mm -hmm. your sister had, right? Like Mm -hmm. that whole thing of, I have a great job and I'm completely pigeonholed into this one skill that I have that pays me well. And I'm not going to get paid like that anywhere else, which is Mm -hmm. a limiting belief. Like that's another story. Right. Right. And then the guy that I was dating, we got engaged and the firm that he was working for sent him to Tokyo because he was the Asia guy. And in going to Tokyo, I was able to do the yoga training. And mm-hmm. in that, I started learning meditation and learning how to teach meditation. And when I was doing meditation, I was like, guys, something is happening here. I can feel energy moving. Is uh, this real? Am cool. I tripping? Like what's happening here? Mm-hmm because something's going on. And you had meditated
0: prior to this, but this was like an immersive experience where you're,
1: I hadn't meditated because all that time doing yoga in the States, I mean, I was doing power yoga. So like, there's no time for meditation, right? Right. (laughs) We did like a, a, maybe a Shavasana at the end of class, Mm -hmm. but no one had ever taught me anything about meditation. And I remember reading eat, pray, love. I'm dating myself a little bit. This was a hot (laughs) minute ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Eat, pray love and I went to Tokyo was taking yoga classes and I remember asking the teacher can can you teach us some meditation because I don't know where to start and there was no calm there was no headspace there was like none of that was really around so I had no idea how to meditate mm-hmm. but I had also always loved psychics and tarot and astrology and like as a little girl I was so into all of that yeah and had, had always sort of wished I had one of those Superpowers. Mm-hmm. So when it started moving, uh, my now ex husband was very—I would say at the time he was an atheist—and now he would maybe call himself agnostic. But he was very much into the Christopher Hutchins and God is not great and all that stuff at the time. And, and I was like,
0: just just to make the discrepancy, because I just had a conversation with somebody recently. So atheists is you 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 don't believe god exists there's no higher power and then agnostic is you're kind of like indifferent is that accurate i think so yeah, yeah. okay yeah let's at the sorry. time
1: he was very much like there is no god
0: yeah okay
1: like let's not pretend and then he sort of softened to like well maybe i don't know everything but i don't think there's a puppeteer in the sky drafting all of this okay so this is all happening while my like gifts if we want to call them that are really coming online Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, but by the way, <laughs> I just thought of somebody who I haven't seen in three months. And then she turned the corner and was like walking into my class. Mm. So what the fuck, like what, what's happening? Right. right. <laughs> and it was like this divide of he's going in one direction, I'm going in another. And he wasn't, he was never disrespectful about it. He was never rude about it. It was just like, we were in very different worlds. Yeah. And that was kind of how my my journey into this work really started because once I could feel energy, I couldn't unfeel it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I, do you have kids? I do. I have
0: a nine-year-old dot nine-year-old son, 11 year old daughter.
1: Okay. So I say, I ask that because most parents that I speak to, I don't have kids, but most parents that I speak to, and I know this is true for your sister as well, who doesn't have kids. There's an element of being able to read energy that I think we all have. Mm -hmm. So when people say to me, what are you doing in your work? Yes, I'm reading energy. Yes, I'm getting into the subtleties. I channel a bit like I can hear intuitive messages from your highest self. There's all of that. And I think there's a huge element that we all do. So if your 11-year-old is having a bad moment or a bad day and her back is to you and you walk in the room, you can feel that something is off before you see her face. Mm -hmm. You like feel it in your bones. You feel it in your gut, right? It's that sixth sense. And what I'm doing in my work is just putting words to that for things that we have always felt. Mm. Usually stuff that was programmed in us when we were little kids, some version of not feeling something enough, like not feeling good enough, not feeling smart enough, not feeling pretty enough, not trying hard enough. And by putting words to it, it then allows the conscious brain to stop believing what the subconscious brain is telling us. Mm. So I say that because I think it's really important that everybody know you are reading energy. We are all empaths. This whole thing that's going on now in like social media world and everything of like, I'm an empath. We're all empaths. Mm-hmm. It's just about how much are you paying attention to it?
0: That's what one of the things I really wanted to ask you is. Uh, I connect with um healers frequently and and what what is your belief as to what do we come in with uh as our natural abilities and that everybody can tap into and then what do you feel is the difference for somebody like yourself is it do you feel that we come uh, in this lifetime with uh a kind of a predestined A gift that's going to be in service to humans and we can either, you know, we have the free will as to whether we're going to practice it or not. um, Or do you think that all of us have that ability and and some are tapping into it uh, more specifically? I think see all of the above.
1: Okay. I think
0: that's the most common answer, by the way.
1: Oh, I think, I think there's, So I actually was just talking to someone about this. I think there is, uh, I've never had a dream of being a pro golfer. Mm -hmm. I've never had that desire. I've never like, I don't care. It's not on my radar whatsoever. Creating massive impact for humans trying to up level is always on my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's juicy to me. It makes my mouth water. It makes my belly like I get the butterflies. Yeah, I think that part of what our soul is here to do, our soul can only communicate with us through our physical body and our emotional body, and so our soul is letting us know. I believe that we're on the right path by giving us those positive signals. Mm. The negative symbols signals are letting us know we're off our, our path our track. Right. right? We don't need all of us to wanna to be pro golfers. Right. We don't need all of us to wanna to be changing the way we respond to stress. I firmly believe the people that are listening to this that have that either they're triggered by it like in a negative way of like that's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that or are really like I want to work with this person. I want to know her. I want to see what she's about. Both of those on either end of the spectrum are your soul's way of saying, flashing lights, pay attention. This is for you. Yeah. So I believe that like the way that I came in contact with you, we would have never been able to plan that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But there is some divine reason why you and I needed to meet and have this call and have this conversation, whether it's someone that hears you or something in this conversation that sends a light bulb off in my head. And we don't need to know about it right now. But I do think that there is some interwoven connection between divine will Mm -hmm. and destiny.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like I, I, uh, something happened the other day and I was like, oh, I couldn't have planned that out. Thank you. Uh, Isn't it wild when that happens?
0: And it's like, I hear it so often from, you know, um, books or films like The Secret and people who have accomplished a lot of success and not just like monetary or, or fame or anything like that, but they just live a happy, uh, grounded mm-hmm. life. And and they talk about um, how things typically come together far more intricately and and surprisingly than we could ever imagine. And so when we in our head try to Think of how we want something to come to fruition. It's kind of having to sit back and not worrying about the how, yeah. because the the way it unravels is is always such a better story. Anyways,
1: I did a money block workshop yesterday because so many of us equate our value with how much we're earning, mm-hmm. and part of it was all these entrepreneurs on there were saying like, but I don't know how I'm going to do this. Right. Like, let's say I want to be making 50 grand a month, a hundred grand a month, a million a month, but I don't know how that's going to happen for me, especially people that are on salary. Right. It's like, well, money's not going to fall out of the sky for me. Mm-hmm. So how's this going to work? And I'd like to give the image of, imagine there's a yellow brick road out in front of you. And they're just like in the video games we played as kids or people are still playing now. They're like little trinkets along the way that you have to collect, like little baby coins or a tool that you're going to need in the next level. And that's what we're doing here. So it's not about knowing the finish line and hitting the finish line. So Abraham Hicks, which is all like the secret law of attraction, all that stuff. One of the things that Esther always says is you don't go into a movie wanting to know the end of the movie before you start. Right? Like you don't walk in sitting down wanting to know how the thing ends. You want to watch it all play out. Mm -hmm. So, if we can focus on when you're setting a goal or setting some kind of fun thing that you want to achieve because it gives you those butterflies, right? It's not about being the pro golfer, it's about creating more impact. So, if I want to create impact and that gives me butterflies, the idea of how I'm going to create that impact, if I can erase, like on an etch a sketch, if I can shake off, my ego idea of how that's going to work and really let the universe fill in the gaps for me. Now I'm just going down that yellow brick road, collecting little coins and little trinkets along the way. And I'm out of the way because the universe might say, look, we're going to take you from A to M and from M to Z. But my ego, the way that I've seen the world work wants to go A, B, C, D, E through 26. Right. right. And the universe is like, I mean, okay, but why? right. Just get out of our way. Yeah.
0: scooch. Yep. Especially when we're in the middle of dismantling those old systems and the way that things have previously worked is is not how we're intended to go. It's not in the flow. It's very, um, yeah, it's getting very outdated. And so learning how to step back and be in the flow, um, I think it's it's difficult for most of us because most people want to have a blueprint. They want to have a plan. They want to know what's coming next.
1: We also really want to look back and assess and then apply that to the future, right? If that worked or didn't work, then this is how it's going to go in the future. We learned that in like second grade science, right? If then, when the reality is that happened because you believed it would happen. And Mm. so what I do and what the work is that I'm doing is going in and helping you change all that old programming that you took in when you were a little kid from like six ish to nine ish is the age range that we usually work on because that's when your subconscious mind is programmed. And around nine ish is when they say the veil between the subconscious and the conscious is pretty much sealed. Mm. So at that point, moving on, think about like kids around 10. So your kid's age yeah. They've pretty much sealed off what their beliefs are. Now, let me just give this caveat to all parents out there. Your kids are absorbing what they need to absorb based on what their soul came in to work on. Right. So yeah, some of the things you're saying might be screwing them up a little bit, but they they needed <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> like, I know we talk about that all the time. Like, what what are we doing that our kids are going to be trying to unravel themselves from in, you know, 30 years from now? But it does well, it does take some, uh, I don't know, guilt or whatever off knowing that that's all part of their journey. It's part of our journey together. And yeah. as conscious as we can be as parents, I'm, I'm going to screw up um, uh, time and time again. And, uh, you know, they're my greatest teachers. We're going to learn a- as we go through the process.
1: And I think what we can be really aware of and clear, not only for future generations, but also for the past One of the biggest things that I hear parents saying, understandably, but we say things like, if you want to be successful, you have to work hard. You have to try really hard. If you want to do things well, you need to practice, whether it's at baseball or at math or at reading, you have to practice if you want to be good at this thing. And the first thing we want to start asking ourselves is, is that a fact? Like Mm -hmm. if you take one thing away from this podcast, start paying attention to when you're stating a fact and ask, is that actually a fact? Mm -hmm. Because the answer is usually no. Mm -hmm. And so you can reframe it, right? If you just say, look, my experience has been, I had to practice batting for a really long time before I could hit. So maybe you need to practice more. Maybe that's just the thing for you, but it's not a fact that everybody needs to.
0: That's such good advice. And we've all went to school with people, for instance, who never had to study, never had to open a book and they would just you know, soar through the courses. Same thing with athleticism. There are going to be some kids that they don't need to put as much time outside of the court or the rank or the field, and they're going to perform amazingly because that's just their innate ability.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the mm. same thing goes. So when we have some version of not enoughness, like this is where the busy professional who is super stressed, that's where this story comes in because mm. there was some moment as a kid and I would say 99.9% of us have some version of this. There's some moment as a kid where we either raise our hand or go to do something and realize we thought we had it together and then we're humiliated because we don't. Yeah. Right. And so what gets programmed in a really brilliant way, mm-hmm. the the subconscious mind, the little kid in there is saying that was horrific. Like that felt like death. Right. I wanted to crawl in a hole and die <laughs> Please don't ever let that happen to me again. And let's start double checking Mm ourselves. Let's start holding back on raising our hand. Let's start holding back on swinging for the fences. And let's just make sure I know what's up before I throw myself out there and get humiliated again. Mm -hmm. Because I'm actually not smart enough to read the room. I actually can't be trusted Mm. with assessing the situation before I'm in it. And it's a brilliant tool for a seven-year-old. The problem is once that seal happens around nine-ish, Now at 15 and 25 and 35 and 45 and 55 and 85, you're still running with that program of, I'm probably not good enough to read this the right way. So let me just double check it. Yeah. And that is why the stress is created. It's there as an alarm system for you to double check yourself. But the reason it feels so uncomfortable is because that alignment with your soul self doesn't buy it isn't going along for the ride of it, doesn't believe it, knows it's total bullshit. And so it's almost like it jumps out of the room. And the discomfort that you feel physically is the feeling of your source, your inner being, your guiding light, your soul jumping out.
0: And you're out of alignment. You're out of alignment. Yeah. yeah. And that's a terrible feeling. And it it is, it's amazing how something that on the surface could be that, that, that is that simple can put us into such a tailspin. Um, And yeah, it happens into adulthood all the time.
1: And again, kind of one of the the first things that I ask people to do is acknowledge how smart that little kid was for doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Because they don't know better. Children don't know how to discern fact from fiction from the adults around us. So when an adult coach, a teacher, a parent, a friend's parent says, well, if you want to be successful, you better plan on working really hard.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm like, okay, we assume that that's a fact, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's a way to find compassion for yourself for having gotten here. And now what are you going to do about it?
0: Yeah. And so going back to, you know, I think one of the things that you touched on that so many people have, uh, I've talked to about this in the past is I was one of those people who walked away from a career. I took a leap and yes, I had a a joint income. So it was an easier transition for me to do. I was able to lean on my husband through that time. And I understand not everybody is in the same position. Uh So when you are coaching people through that, like, listen, I have this, this, uh, nine to five that I can't get out of. I don't, I don't want to necessarily be in that. What does that look like when you're working with them?
1: So an actual session, the way that I work is I start with what I call an energy alignment, where we spend an hour on zoom together, I ask you to get on your couch or in your bed. So you're super comfy. And even if you're in Chicago with me, I don't do these in person, because I feel people open up much differently, and receive differently when you're in your own space and I'm in my space, it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's a better reading for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I go through and just read everything that I can get. So it's basically a conversation with your highest self telling my highest self what's off. And things Mm -hmm. are usually off physically. And then there's an emotional component to it. And we're clearing everything that we can to get you back into that like zone of alignment and getting as many tangibles because there's nothing more annoying to me than when some healer says, just let that go. Let all of that go. Like I would have, if I could have, I can't. Thank you. So we're getting as many tangibles where I'm asking like, what can she actually do about that? Because I need, I need some more info here. Yeah. And then if it feels like a fit, the next step is we go into what we call energy edits. And that's where we're still on zoom And I'm muscle testing to figure out what are those specific programs that your little girl self took in when you were six to nine Mm -hmm. and helping you do the work for you. So it's like, I'm assisting you in pulling this stuff out of you. And because now you're doing the work, it's much more impactful because when I'm doing the work, it can only go so deep. It can only go as far as like a few days, a few weeks of awareness but right. when you're doing it, it's like I'm in there helping you garden, but you're pulling the weeds out. I'm just showing you where the weeds are and then helping you dig them out. Hmm. And that's where we're really getting into the old programs and changing it. So I feel like that's like a a software upgrade. Like yes. we plug in your computer overnight. We dig all the gunk out. We put it back in a nice, neat way. And then the trigger doesn't trigger as hard anymore. So your boss might still come down on you or your mom might still make those comments and they might trigger for a second, but instantly your conscious mind is now aware. And so it sees your subconscious mind say, see, I told you we weren't good enough. And they're showing you, they're proving it. And your conscious mind can quickly be the adult in the room with your little girl self saying, no, sweetie, remember we cleared that. Mm. And so over the course of a few sessions, it just gets lighter and lighter and lighter Where now you're saying, okay, I can't change my mom. My mom's not choosing to do this work yet, but I can change the way I respond to her. Mm -hmm. And I choose to not walk away from my mom, right? So I like my cheesy tagline is, if you can't change the stressor, change the way you're responding to the stress. Mm -hmm. Because I can't change my mom, right? My clients can't quit their big jobs, but you've got to find a way to change the way you're responding to it or physically and energetically and emotionally, it's not sustainable. Right.
0: And exactly. do you find when you start to pull those things out, uh, are, people, are people starting to shift jobs after that? Or are they finding a, a, an enjoyment of their job that has been just lacking for so long? Is it a combination of the two?
1: Most people... The people who truly can't leave, right? If you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars at some law firm and you're completely pigeonholed into this specific thing, most people don't end up leaving, right? Mm -hmm. Not until like their kids are out of college or like whatever the thing is that they're waiting for, but they're able to enjoy it again. They're able Mm -hmm. to find different ways of not triggering on that not enoughness Mm -hmm. so that it's not making them so burnt out, so miserable, so crazed anymore. And that to me is the empowerment, right? Right. It's most noticeable, I would say, with people with, um, I don't want to say mom issues, but like if your mom drives you nuts or a partnership or anything like that, it's like by changing it, you're able to see the light in that person instead of feeling the drain.
0: Mm.
1: So like Mm. there there was a while where I was so sassy to my mom. And I was so like I didn't like being like that, right? And I would sort of hang up the phone with her. Well, first of all, I was annoyed just at the phone ringing. She hadn't right. said a word and I was already triggered. <laughs> or we'd all be together. And then for like weeks, I would be having these fake fights in my head of why didn't I say this? And why would mm-hmm. she say that? And calling my aunts and calling my sister and just like spiraling out on the mean things that I felt were mean that she would say, mm-hmm. knowing full well she didn't mean to be mean. Right? I knew that rationally. And now when I'm with her, I can either brush it off pretty quickly, but also because I've changed so much, it's like she has changed mm. because I no longer need to hear those things. It was almost like she was saying it to show me where I was. And now that I'm not there anymore, the comments don't really come anymore. So she hasn't done any of the work. It's wild
0: yeah it's so it's so wild you all know i love stories i also love adventure nature photography and travel lake and company magazine encompasses all of that it is a socially conscious magazine carefully curated with a give back message that supports adventure innovation conservation and community built around lake culture Guys, Lake and Company magazines are gorgeous. The photography in these issues showcases unique places and events nationwide that make me want to pack my bags and head out for adventure. Not only that, they include powerful stories from people like you here on this podcast everyday people who do something extraordinary to make the world a little brighter bonus lake and company magazine was created in my beloved hometown grand rapids minnesota head to the lake and and grab your subscription that's the lake one of the things that i have learned and it was uh, stressed stress to be my my meditation coach is that when you start doing the work especially as like the the female in the family it's going to start trickling into you your relationship with your spouse, how he's leading his life, into your kid's life um, and it's so real you you see that shift even if you're technically the only one really digging into the inner work um, mm-hmm. because it I mean energy is it's everything and so the people that you're surrounding yourself with um, there's no question it has a profound effect and then it can be less about, you know, I think with so many modalities we've worked with traditionally like therapy and, and nothing against therapy, but when we can better focus on the energy of a situation instead of just focusing on the logistics, it has this organic way of working itself out without admiring a problem or, you know, overanalyzing something to death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To me, therapy was really amazing in helping me understand the players, the relationships, the, um, you know, kind of giving labels to things just to help me understand and categorize what was going on. Mm -hmm. But it didn't necessarily change anything for me. So it sort of felt like, okay, here I am creating another narcissistic relationship where I'm the codependent, he's the narcissist, and this still doesn't feel good. And now I recognize that, okay, great, but I'm still not creating anything healthy. Mm. And to me, doing this work really helps start shifting what I'm attracting because my vibration is now different, right? Mm -hmm. So in the spirit of like attracts like, if I'm now getting stronger in my sense of self and in my connection to source and in sort of the divine relationship that I'm having between my ego and my inner being and making Mm -hmm. that my primary relationship, I'm now attracting in other friends, other people, business colleagues, clients, people I date that are more in alignment like that as well. So it does feel like now there's actually a shift. And I think to your point about our families, when they're not doing the work, we're still able to recover faster. And that to me is the biggest goal, right? I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for how I feel. So if I'm doing my work, I'm going to speak to my family differently. I'm going to show up with them differently. And instead of playing whack-a-mole where I used to sort of say like, like I felt very evolved going through therapy and saying to my mom, that hurt my feelings. When you said this, it really hurt my feelings because of X, Y, and Z. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well now she wouldn't say that one thing, but a client would say something similar, Mm. right? Or like some random yoga student would say something. Right. That was similar. It was like, I was playing whack-a-mole everywhere (laughs) because I was the one attracting that comment. Mm. And I had to take ownership for that. Like, oh shit, where do I actually believe that? Right. Because I need to look at that. It wouldn't trigger me. Like if someone said to you, you have this gorgeous blonde hair. If someone said to you, you're eight feet tall, you're so tall and your dark hair is hideous. Like that would just roll off your back Mm -hmm. You'd be like, you're nuts. I don't know what to say to you. (laughs) Right. And it's only when they say something that you believe to be true, that it's that like heart crushing stomach right. ache. I want to throw up. I've been exposed because yeah. you believe it. So by changing it, the thing that they're saying doesn't trigger as hard, which again, yeah. is like the most empowering thing we could have.
0: Right. So by changing our own uh, beliefs and in, in deconstructing those programs and where that was first imprinted. We then don't get triggered by every last thing because it no longer resonates with who we think we are.
1: Exactly. It's no longer a vibrational match.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do people typically, when they come to you, is it, um, what are a lot of the, the common themes as far as things they're working through, uh, both in relationships and career?
1: it's usually some version of, um, I'm overwhelmed. I can't breathe Mm -hmm. when I'm at work. I feel like I'm failing my family. And when I'm with my family, I feel like I'm failing my company. Mm -hmm. Um, there's never enough time in the day. I, this isn't sustainable or it's something like, I can't be in the same room as my mom anymore. I don't want to not talk to her, but you know, either my mom is driving me so insane or a mother-in-law or some kind of relationship in that way. And then there's the really horrific body image stuff, right? Like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want to look a certain way where it's really the anger and the hurt is turned in on ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's not about your job is doing this thing to you. Your family needs so much from you. It becomes more about I just don't have the willpower to do what I know I need to do, which is a limiting belief. Right. Um, so it's money stuff, it's body image stuff, it's relationship stuff, but mostly underneath it all. It's like, I have built this life that should be really great. Like I have these great two kids. I have what would be considered a great job. I have a decent marriage. Mm -hmm. I'm in a nice house in a nice community. And I don't feel any of it. Mm. Like I have checked all these boxes and I am cooked. Mm
0: -hmm. None of this
1: feels good. None of this is enjoyable. I worked with one woman who's in her probably mid to late thirties, who has a great job, a great relationship with her husband, good relationship with her parents. And she's like, I'm not, I'm like missing it. I'm missing all of this with my kids. When I'm with them, I'm so annoyed. Mm. I'm lashing out at them in ways that I don't want to yell at them. I know I'm missing it. Like if they won't go to bed, I go from zero to a hundred and I'm screaming and I'm like, who am I, what am I doing? Yeah. And by clearing a lot of the stuff out for her, she was like, now I'm with them and I'm actually present with them and I'm soaking up the moments of them while they want to be with me. Wow. Which is a huge, you know, like that's going to change everything for all four in her nuclear unit and her parents and the way she shows up at work
0: right? It's so much greater than just doing the work for yourself, because it affects um, every aspect of our lives. And then obviously, the, the lives around us. Yeah. With how much anxiety that is seems to be prevalent in, in current culture? Um, what is your kind of take on the 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 most common contributors or the reason why it is like an an anxiety epidemic currently?
1: So when you think about what anxiety is, it's a fear of something happening, right? It's a fear of the future.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm anxious that I'm going to lose my job. I'm anxious that I'm not doing a good enough job for my kids. I'm anxious, right? It's always something projected out in the future based on results that we've seen from the past. So we're basing all of it on patterns, which is what we learned, right? Look to the past to understand how things work and then apply it to the future. But there isn't any awareness that we can change those things and that we can change the way things show up in the future by changing our thoughts and changing what we're creating. So the way that I deal with anxiety is changing the programming, changing what that little person version of you is telling you is a fact about you, Because the fear, especially around money, the fear is I'm not smart enough to know how to actually do this. Like If I'm making that much money, I'm either going to be so busy, I'm going to be a terrible family member, I'm not going to actually enjoy my life, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it and then I'm going to blow it because I don't know what to do with that much money. Or if I get it, how in the world am I ever going to sustain it and the fall is going to suck so bad that I'm already resisting it coming in. Right. So, for those of you listening, if any of those just made your stomach turn a little bit, that's your cue that it's resonating. Mm -hmm. Right. It's some version of that. There's a million of these, but those are kind of like the highlight reel. Right. And so, that's the anxiety that feeling of that, oh, shit feeling. How am I going to sustain this? People are going to ask me for money if I'm making millions and millions and millions. Which feels exciting. That's that butterfly feeling. That's that thing of like, I can surprise and delight friends with a trip. I can do all these cool things when I have all that money, right? Mm-hmm. That's that fun because it's your soul saying, yeah, it's right here for you. We've got it. Mm-hmm. You instantly go back into, but what about? What what if then everybody has a handout, right? Like we hear stories about lotto winners being cursed, because then everybody wants money from you, or then I have to say no, or then they're gonna think I'm a snob they're going to think I'm, you know, now I'm a wealthy person and wealthy people are jerks. So I'm going to be them instead of us. So all these subconscious fears based on what we heard and what we saw as little kids start popping in as little alarm systems. That's the anxiety. Mm. So imagine that it's like, like a booby trap or like a tripwire that's been set in your physical body as a way to remember, don't, don't do this. This sucks. This is something to avoid because a seven-year-old doesn't understand the fact of that matter. And so it sets up this little alarm system and then you're tripping that little alarm. And that's what the anxiety is. You're tripping an alarm on an old program that the child you put in place, that the adult you is trying to get your awareness on that it's not true. So if you started shifting into like, what if you kept an anxiety journal where, when you felt that, whatever that physical response is for you about anxiety, what if you wrote down, what was I just thinking? Is it a fact? And, and ask yourself, where does it come from? And I give people that task. And I got to say, I think it's really hard to do on our own. Like I wouldn't be great at doing that on my own, which Mm -hmm. is why I offer this work. Mm -hmm. But without having to sound cheesy of like, go book your session. Right. (laughs) It's hard to see from the inside because you've never known adult thinking analytical life without that programming there. Yeah. So this is really hard to do from the inside. But that's essentially what I'm helping your inner child see and then helping the adult help your inner child heal it.
0: Well, and even if we can identify it, the undoing is far more intricate and complicated than we can realize to try to do on our own because i there were you know there were inner child hangups I knew that I had, but it wasn't until I worked um with a coach to really unwind it and then to see all the various places in my life that it was uh really affecting. It I was like, oh, gosh, okay. I thought it was just maybe over here, but now here we are <laughs> in all these different realms. And now how do I start to unravel that? Which yeah. I, at that point, I was just like, threw my hands in the air. Like, I don't even know where to start.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly what I love about this work is that someone will come in saying, I have anxiety about my job or my mom or money. And doing these edits is like a clean sweep across the board of all of them. Mm-hmm because we're working your way back, kind of like a, an anti-meditation where I give you a specific fear to think about that we've muscle tested up for you. And then we're working your way back to childhood to see all the different places where your subconscious mind has programmed in. See, it's true here. See, when you were 25, it happened again. Oh, look, when we were 15, it happened again. You were mm-hmm. so right. And working your way back back until we can see this was the origin it wasn't a fact. I choose to let it go. And now it's like, you've, you've shaken up the etch a sketch so it can totally get clean. Yeah. So Sorry. Go ahead. It's a faster way of cleaning up, cleaning it up from all the different areas instead of like, okay, now we're going to focus on money. Okay. Now we're going to focus on relationships. No, no, no. Let's focus on the fear of being invisible. Yeah. The fear of being ignored, the, the fear of being seen right? So a lot of times it'll show up as what we call a double bind, where you're triggering on having it and you're triggering on not having it. And so the universe says yes to both. And that's the feeling of stuckness. Because if I'm triggering on not having enough money, like, oh man, if I just had an extra 10 million bucks, I would really be like raging and rock in this lifetime. But at the same time, the thought of having an extra 3 million even makes me also panic and sort of get shut down and frozen. I'm pushing on both sides of the door and the universe is saying yes to both, but that's Mm. the stuckness. Mm -hmm. Because when you push on both sides of the door, nothing can move. So Mm -hmm. the majority of people come to me and say, I don't know why, I just feel stuck. And anytime we feel stuck, that to me is my cue. There's a double bind happening in a really big way. And once I can clear that, then we can get to the nitty gritty.
0: Wow, okay. And so what does that look like because I know you have gifts that you're bringing to this. It's not just like a an analytical conversation and going back and and um as you said you do muscle testing and you do it virtually. So what what are you seeing? What are you feeling when you're tapping into people? And um how did that kind of process evolve for you? Cuz I imagine it starts with like little nudges. And then, you know, like you said, you would think about somebody and then you would see them or they'd call.
1: Uh How did that start to grow? So it grew because that started actually while I was getting divorced, like at the very tail end of my divorce, almost being final, it started getting louder and louder in the sense that it was more and more frequent where I couldn't really think like, oh, that was a weird coincidence. It was like on a daily basis where I was like, my God, what's happening? (laughs) What's going on? And I was telling a friend about it in a yoga class that I was teaching. And she said, you should meet my friend. Uh, She did some kind of a psychic training. And I was like, I mean, seriously, (laughs) like I kind of, kind of rolled my eyes and kind of was like, okay, why not? What do I have to lose? And I went to this woman who did a reading for me. And at the end of it, I said, I've heard that you do these trainings. Will you train me? And she said, no. Not doing that anymore. And sorry. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, can I come back for another reading? Because I have more questions. And I came back the second time. And at the end of it, she said, I'll train you because I found the yin to your yang. You're a lot of energy. And I needed to find someone who was grounded (laughs) to sort of balance you out. And I was like, "Uh, thank you. Thank you. I don't know what to say to that, but okay. My head (laughs) noted, we try. Mm -hmm. And so I started working with her and she was kind of showing us her way, which was interesting and helpful and cool. And it really taught me like, say what's in your mind. So if I said to you, Lindsay, close your eyes and picture a pink elephant, you can see the pink elephant. And that's where I see. So people say to me, like, are you seeing it? Like you're seeing, you know, I have my phone on a tripod and I see you in my screen. That's not always how I don't see it like that and where I can reach out and touch it. But where I would ask you to imagine something, that's where I see and I so that's hear. Like, we are cognizant more Sorry. clairvoyance. Clairvoyance. Okay. Clairvoyance is seeing. And then I went to. Uh, I had fully manifested. I don't know how much time we have, so feel free to cut this out. But no, we're good. Okay, I had written down in like a goal journal. Um, that I wanted to go, I wanted someone to hire me for a corporate yoga retreat, yoga and meditation retreat. And I had like in a spiral notebook, I had pulled out this page from a magazine that was this man on a plane with his kids. And it just looked like a perfect family. And then another picture of this ski resort, like holiday season with all the lights. And I was like, Oh, and my family's going to go to a place like that for the holidays. Cause we're going to have so much money. We're going to be those people that go on ski trips and all kinds of other stuff was in the, in the journal. And a few years later, I looked back and I realized I had been hired by one of my private yoga clients to go on his corporate yoga retreat to the Montage of Deer Valley, which was the picture of the hotel that I had pulled out was the Montage of Deer Valley. I didn't know what a Montage was or what Deer Valley was. No. And he flew me on a jet plane, which I didn't know what jets was or private jets or any of that world. And the picture of the man with the two kids was an ad for NetJets. So like craziness, (laughs) I was like, holy cow, they're listening. Wow. So on that trip to the montage, I had free time and I had a mutual friend, uh, in park city or in, um, Salt Lake city who was like, you should meet one of my best friends is this unbelievable psychic. Like she's the most powerful psychic I've ever known. So I reached out to her and I said, would you do a session with me? While I'm here, the only thing is I'm in Park City or Deer Valley or wherever I am. And she's like, no problem. I'll come to you. We mm. ended up spending four hours together. And mm. the first thing she did when she sat down was she was like, Lizzie, you can hear. I was like, oh, no, I wish I had clear audience. I don't I don't hear anything. I don't know. She's like, Lizzie, ask these questions. And she started asking me questions. And like, what do you hear? I was like, well, I hear that. But aren't I making that up? She's like, No think, how could you be making that up? I was like, but everybody hears that. She's like, yeah, everybody can do this. We just don't trust it. Mm -hmm. Oh, and before that I had done Reiki trainings because I had like three different psychics tell me that my hands were magical and I should do Reiki training. So I had done these Reiki trainings and didn't feel a thing. And I don't mean any disrespect to Reiki. It just, I felt nothing. But when I had my hands near people's head. I would start seeing stuff and I would kind of start saying it out loud because I had nothing to lose because they were free. I was just practicing. And a couple people were like, how do you know that? Like you're describing my grandfather or you're describing my mom. And I was like, well, you need to call her because something's up. Wow. So stuff had kind of been happening and stuff in Deer Valley was like, Lizzie, like you, you wholeheartedly have this. And this is the next phase of your evolution. And I started working with her like at least monthly where she was really helping me clear a lot of my own fears and my own beliefs on what are people going to think and am I a sham and am I a con woman if I'm doing this? And like, so I would ask people, like I would say to someone like you, like, give me the name, just the first name and a phone number of someone who's open to this work and I'll text her and set up a session and then I'm just going to talk for an hour and let's see if anything is true. And that was how I was testing myself. Cause I was like, I need to know that I can't look them up. I can't see them on Facebook or Instagram. This was kind of before Instagram, but mm-hmm. like, I can't look them up in any way because I was so insecure that I was going to be making this stuff up. And right. so that was really how it started evolving. And then I started doing every different training and um, like course that I could find really, and just pulling out pieces and parts of other modalities. And anytime someone said to me, um, like, Oh, you're an energy worker. I was like, "Mm, maybe, but like, what does that even mean? Right. Or you're healing quantum, you're a quantum healer. I was like, well, that sounds very fancy. I have no (laughs) idea what that means. Let me put that in my bio real quick. (laughs) Right. Right. okay. Um, Someone, someone else said, you're an intuitive reader or something like that. And I was like, well, I, I am reading intuitively. So sure. Right. But none of the names ever felt like it landed or that they even really mattered because who cares unless like, as long as I'm delivering, it didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. And then it just became word of mouth where it was like, Actually, in COVID, I was teaching a yoga class on Zoom, and it was all people that I knew from when I was teaching in person. And I said, Okay, you guys, I do this energy work that I would love to try over Zoom. So, everybody, lay down like you're in Shavasana, and I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing. So, when I close my eyes, this is kind of the long winded answer to your question. When I close my eyes to do an energy alignment, It's like I am a cleaning lady coming in and cleaning out your physical body. And when I get to a certain spot, I ask like if you can obviously cut this out, but like you, Lindsay, I feel like there's something in your left hip just above your femur on the inside. We're going to, we're going to include this. So please go ahead. Okay. So just on the inside of your left femur, it feels like there's like a chunk of gravel with a little bit of a point that goes down. And I see it sort of in my third eye, like if I were looking out 45 degrees, I sort of see it out here. And then once I start talking and once I sort of say like, okay, let's go, she wants the info, then my words are not my own. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like I scooch out of the way and I'll say, "Um, okay, what is that about for her? And as I pull it out and I'm shown how to clear it for you, it's like I become this little cartoon character. I'm inside your body And I'm pulling it out like I would pull out a shovel that was like stuck in the ground. And then I also bring my right hand on top of the point where it was inserting into your bone. And I heal that by sort of sending out this white light gel into it. And it's sort of, I imagine it as like a Neosporin on crack where it just like automatically (laughs) heals it and fills it in. And when I ask, what is this all about? I hear it's about her fully stepping forward into her creative energy and trusting that She doesn't need to define herself. She can sort of open up. It's like they want you to take you from this narrow view. It's like you have these blinders on and they want you to open them up like 180 degrees all the way around till they're on the back of your head to say, it's not just this one thing that you're going to be doing. And if you would just be willing to let us send you ideas and let them flow to you without you having to have an answer, it's like you're so rigid on yourself with it's going to be A... And then B, and then C, like we were talking about earlier, and they're saying, oh my God, Lindsay, stop. Like, turn down the volume, get out of our way, because you are so ready to launch and fly, but you're holding yourself back. It's like you've got this fat rubber band around your waist as you're trying to run. You're holding it back. You're the one that's holding it back there. And and you're also the one with the scissors that can cut it off. Okay, take a breath. Mm. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. Okay. Uh, you can't see me, but for you guys listening, I'm sobbing because <laughs> it's so spot on. I mean, wow. I didn't know you were going to do that. And that's I didn't amazing. either.
1: <laughs> to be honest, I didn't either. And I don't normally do that on podcasts, but it was just right. Uh, there. <laughs> yeah, it's everything. I mean, whew. okay. So you collect yourself. I'm going to tell the listeners <laughs> what else is going on. Yeah. So the other piece that I see in here and what I really specifically ask is what is the path of least resistance to get her to just catapult forward in the, whatever way is going to be best for her and for those around her. So I sort of like say a little prayer before of like, for the best of all concerned, right? How is this going to serve you, your kids, your family, your clients, everybody And then what I see, I have these wings that come out of my back, these massive white wings. And then as we end a session, it's like I'm holding you in the wings, in my wings, and allowing you to absorb the stability, the security, the comfort of coming home. And it's almost like you can then feel and remember what it felt like to be safe, Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: know I don't have to figure anything out. There's nothing that I have to do. I can just surrender and know my inner beings got me. My guides have got me. There are all kinds of beings around that have got me. And I'm just this tiny little avatar Mm -hmm. on the yellow brick road. Mm -hmm. And all I need to pay attention to is what can I do to feel better in this moment right now? And in the next moment right now, and that's all I need to worry about. And the more I can focus on that the more everything else can fill in. But the second I get into, well, what if I don't say it right? And well, what if I don't do it right? And what if I should be projecting? And how is this going to look? And once I bring in sort of that little girl anxiety, what if fear of the future, I slow all of it down,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which just then turns into why is it going so slow? And so I slow it down more. And then why is it going so slow?
0: It's maddening. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Wow, you feel okay?
0: Yes, yes, no, it's just uh, there's there's nothing like that validation of just feeling seen of what's going on internally without having to articulate it like there there's there's no other connection like that. so I'm just very grateful. Well, yeah.
1: thank you for being open and I will say there is something that automatically shifts and starts healing where you are now healing you just by having the words to put to that vibration that has been in you for however long it's been there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So even if we just do an energy alignment and don't do any of the other work stuff is already shifting because now you have the awareness. It's how Brené Brown says, shame can't live once it's exposed. Mm. It's like once we expose that piece that feels like it's been holding you back, it all starts to open up.
0: Mm. So thank you for being open. Well, yes. And I'm booking a call with you like yesterday because I can't (laughs) wait to to continue this and actually start to, uh, yeah, dismantle those things and move in the way that, um, you know, I know that there's so, so I've I've been getting into human design and I'm a generator. And I, the more I'm learning about it, the more I understand that I operate best when I'm just in the flow. It's not about having to know processes and what's happening next. And I think it's one of the reasons why I love podcasting so much is because the rest of the world just falls away. And I just get to listen and learn from amazing humans when I, when I do these conversations. And so, um, it's such a reminder to me that those kinds of magical things that make me, me, or just being, um, just doing what I love to do, which is like having people storytell and and all the various facets. If I can just be in that flow, um, and I don't have to worry about all the the logistics so much. So
1: By the way, so on my phone, and I recommend this to anybody listening, you can set an alarm with no sound on our phones. So at 1234, like at 1234, I have an alarm that goes off on my phone that says, expect miracles. Mm. And a lot of days I just press stop and I forget to really pay attention to that. But if we get into the mindset of the big and the small, like something cool is going to happen today. Cause something cool happens every day.
0: If right. you're
1: paying attention to it, like that is something that is so simple and so easy to do program it in your phone to just say, expect miracles.
0: Yeah. That's a great idea. And I'm such a, uh, a follower of like, if I ever glance at the clock, it's a repeating number, which happens oh. a lot. I'm like, oh, they're with, they're with me. They got I'm my back. Like
1: it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So speaking of, uh, I'm going to book a call with you. I would love to direct uh, all the listeners as to where they can connect with you further. Um.
1: So I, my website is lizziecutler.com. It's L I Z Z I C U T L E R. Everyone spells my name. I E my mom, I guess wanted to be funky. (laughs) (laughs) So it's L I Z Z I no E Cutler. And uh, you can book right on there. And I'm also on Instagram and I'm newly on TikTok, and really forcing myself to post like they're all under 30 seconds, but like tips, tricks, things that I do like expect miracles. Um, just really easy, simple things, because I think that this doesn't have to be hard. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be complicated. The work is the work and the work is really massively impactful. And Mm -hmm. throughout the day, there are a million things you can be doing and kind of what I've just like how I sort of created this career. I've collected a million different things that sometimes they work for me. And then I have a folder that just says um, magic tricks. And it's all these things like have it go off on your phone that says expect miracles. I did a challenge where um, three times a day, this thing went off on my phone. And I would say out loud, uh, I've always had, I always have more money than I need. I can't help but attract money into my life. And I would say three times out loud, three times a day. And I did this whole like money block course where I had stuff like that and a whole round of energy edits and um, all the other tips and tricks that have worked for me. And I did the full course to make sure that it worked. And a week later, I got a letter from Fidelity saying there's an abandoned account here with $2,500. We need to know where to send the check.
0: No way. Okay.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I'm like, how about you send the check where you just sent this letter? (laughs) But okay. Thanks for the notice.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's wild.
1: Yeah. So, like, the stuff works. You just got to jump in. So, yeah, my website. Instagram and TikTok are both Lizzie Cutler.
0: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to connect with you further. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for everybody to hear this and, and to connect with you as well.
1: Thanks for your time, Lindsay. I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, you as well. Thanks so much. Thank you.